Uh, I invite you to turn to John chapter 15, and while you're there, I just want to remind those of you who are part of the turkey chase, the Brooks family is still the reigning champions, and I have received permission from the youth pastor of Freshwater Alliance Church to drive in this year's turkey chase. Game on. You are here, Lynn, right? You normally sit over there. You over there, Lynn? Okay. Oh, you're over there. All right. It's still true, right? I, I can... Okay, thank you. All right, John 15, if you're uh, online, jumping in, glad to see you. If you're here and you're new, uh, we're in a series on the private ministry of Jesus. It's his last hours here before he was arrested and crucified. Um, And so it's his last words essentially to the 12, and then actually it's not even 12, it's only 11 because Judas has left. And it's really what would be on the heart of Jesus in these last moments that he wants to give to them uh, before he leaves them. And we've been going through these last weeks, and this one, it's interesting, is is intense. It's John 15, uh, starts in verse uh, 15, or, or 18, rather. He says this, if the world hates you, keep in mind it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, I have chosen you out of the world. You don't belong to this world, but I've chosen you out of this world. And that's, that's why the world hates you. This world hate, this word hate explodes on the scene here at the end of chapter 15. Over these next probably 10 verses or so, you see it happen again and again and again. Four times the word hate, or either six times the word hate happens, and then persecution happens twice, and then there's two instances of persecution that also happen. Jesus, in his final moments, carves out time to say, hey, look, I got to tell you guys some things. Like, you guys need to know what's coming. You've got to know this. Pay attention. If the world hates you, keep in mind it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you don't belong to the world, I've chosen you out of the world. And that, that's why people, this world is going to hate you. At Moody, um, I had a friend, his name was Gary, and uh, Gary was a Brit, and he was this guy who, I mean, he was just on fire for Jesus, and yet he was one of the most irreverent guys I knew at Moody. And we would joke with each other. I mean, I was a good friend. I mean, he just made me laugh all the time. But I would say, I don't, I really don't know whether you're going to go to heaven, man. Like, you're so irreverent. And he would look at me, and he'd be, you're so wound tight. Like, would you just relax? And, uh, and we became friends. We actually played on the soccer team together. Um, and got to know each other even more, and I really liked, I really liked Gary. Um, he was a lot of fun to be around. And we you know, graduated in 93 and um, kind of lost contact. And then I'm at, this is back I think in 2003, I'm at uh, our national conference for all the pastors and, and members of the CMA, whoever likes to go to those conferences, we're all there, and there's three or 4,000 of us. And, and I'm sitting next to Joe, and, 
and up on the stage walks Gary. And I'm like, Gary, <laughs> like, do they know what he's like? Like, I, but I knew he was like, I mean, it was just part of it, right? I mean, Gary, Gary was on fire for Jesus and he's up there and as he starts to talk, it's all somber. And I'm like, oh man, like what's going on? Um, and so he starts to tell the story. He was a missionary. He got married. Um, his wife was named Bonnie, and, and they became missionaries with Operation Mobilization OM. And uh, in a partnership with the CMA, had started this clinic in Lebanon. Um, it was a medical clinic for women. And uh, so they were over there, and I'm like, as soon as I heard that, I was like, oh, that's totally Gary. Gary would be like, go send us to the place that's the craziest I'll go. Like, um, and so it made sense. Um, but his wife, Bonnie, one day was going to open up the clinic, and uh, somebody came up behind her and shot her to death. And that had happened probably six months before that conference. And I, was, I had heard about Bonnie Witherall. I didn't know Bonnie Witherall was Gary Witherall's wife. And uh, I was just, my heart was broken in that moment. Um, and that was, uh, we actually had Gary here. I don't know if you guys were here back in 2003. Um, actually brought Gary here to speak. It's the first person that I have been friends with who has lost somebody because they've loved Jesus. Shot because they follow Jesus. Kind of changed things. Um, if this world hates you, keep in mind, it hated Jesus first. If you follow Jesus, um, maybe you don't follow Jesus and you're thinking about it and you're like, oh my goodness, like that's intense. It's kind of, it's kind of interesting, right? I'm going to say funny, funny, but kind of funny. Here I am at the end and we're, we're going through Jesus' last words and of all the messages to pick, really, this one? And yet part of me is like, yeah, yeah that kind of sounds right. That kind of sounds right, this one. So if you're not sure what to believe or about Jesus, you need to know this piece. You gotta count the cost, and you need to know that up front. And if you're following Jesus and you're kind of new to this whole thing and, and you're trying to figure this out, that's a big one. This is a big one, and that could be like, man, dang, like nobody told me. And I'm like, yeah, I, okay, that, I get it, I get it count the cost. Christ is worth it. Uh, if you've been following Jesus for a long time, I think this is one of those moments to go, okay, kind of the renewing of the vow moment. Like, yeah, I'm in. I'm still in. So Jesus says this. He says, look, if you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you don't belong to the world, but I've chosen you out of the world. That's why the world hates you. And he talks about citizenship. And what happens, actually Peter writes this in his first letter, 1 Peter chapter 2, he says, we are no longer citizens of this world. We are aliens and we are strangers. 
And what Jesus is getting to and what Peter later described is this idea, and don't ask me how it happens, but it just does. When we follow Christ and the Spirit comes in, we are literally chosen out of this world. Nothing changes in terms of our feet are still on dirt, and it's still this planet, it's still this continent, it's still the state we're in, and yet everything has changed. Because our citizenship, our spirit tells us, the Holy Spirit tells us, God in us says, you do not belong to this world, you now belong to the kingdom of God. And you just joined a war that you had no idea. And you just switched sides, which you may not have understood, because this, war, this world is at war against Christ and his kingdom. This world hates, hates God is waging a war against God. Hate. Hate means strong enmity, intense hostility, aversion aversion towards something. And Jesus says, this world hates me, and it will now hate you. All because we started to follow Christ. He goes on, he says this, no servant is greater than his master. Actually, he says it like this. You guys remember when I just said no servant is greater than his master? Because just a few hours earlier, he was washing their feet, and they were having the last supper, and he was washing their feet, and they're like, ah, you can't do that. Like, that's so disgusting. Like, why would you do that? You're the Messiah. And Jesus is like, hey, no servant is greater than his master. If I'm serving you and the least of these, that is exactly what I'm calling you to do. And so he comes back to that phrase, and he says, no servant's greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. So if they listen to my teaching, which some did, obviously disciples did, most didn't, he says, they're going to listen to your teaching. No servant is greater than his master's. It cuts both ways. And Jesus is saying, look, if I haven't escaped this, and they've watched it, and they don't know what's about to come, but they'll understand it. He's like, if, it, if it's something that I haven't escaped, if this hate has come towards me, I, I've got bad news, you won't escape it either. It's coming your way. Jesus goes on to explain just why exactly does this happen. And he says this here in verse 21. Um, they will treat you this way. Here's the reason. Because of my name, uh, because of who I am, because of me. For they don't know the one who sent me. Now, if I had not come and spoken to them, they wouldn't be guilty of sin. Now, however, they have no excuse for their sin. He who hates me hates my father as well. If I had not done among them what no one else did, they wouldn't be guilty of sin. But now they've seen the miracles, and yet they still hate both me and my father. And, eh, you know, it fulfilled what was written in the law. In Psalms, it says this, they hated me without reason. Jesus gets to the point, he's like, look, this is the reason why people hate me. They don't know me. And, and what does know mean? The context means whatever reason why people reject God, that encapsulates this idea of no. So they don't know God, meaning they reject the idea there is a God. They reject the idea that Jesus is God. They reject, you know, go down the list, all the reasons why somebody would reject or say, I don't believe in God or I don't follow Jesus. That's what it means with I don't know. 
But he's going to the specific culture here and, and the spiritual culture of, of the, the leaders there, right, of Israel, who regarded themselves as faultless, right? The Pharisees were the keepers of the law. And, and in terms of their legalistic obedience, they saw themselves as faultless, as above everybody else. They actually would pray out loud, I'm so glad I'm not, I'm not like all the other sinners. And so it wasn't that they were sinless. It was this idea that they claimed to be you know, in the kingdom of heaven, and they were locked in for, they were a lock for, you know, eternity with God because of who they were. And Jesus says, I came and I taught, and they didn't accept my teachings. They rejected me. They didn't want to know me. And he says, and I did miracles. I, 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 I mean, he healed this blind guy that they knew had been blind, and yet Jesus is standing there. They know what he's claiming. He's claiming to be God. He forgave the guy's sin, and they look right at him and go, dude, you got a demon. This is demonic. I mean, they had Jesus standing right in front of them, and it wasn't enough. It just wasn't enough. Those, those people didn't want to follow God, didn't want to submit to God, they rejected God, and they had the most revelation. They had the most truth. They had the one, God himself, incarnate in front of him, and it wasn't enough. And that's, that's the basis of their hate. They did not want to give up control. They did not want to yield. So he goes on. He says, when the counselor comes, who I'll send to you from the Father the spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. So he's already mentioned earlier, we'll come to this in a couple of weeks, where he's saying, hey guys, I just want to warn you, I'm, I'm heading out, I'm leaving. Um, and they're like, what? And he says, don't worry, I'll, I'll send a, someone, I'll send the spirit to be with you. So they've already heard about the Holy Spirit, so he comes back here and he starts to talk about the Holy Spirit being the counselor. The spirit of truth is another one, another name. The third person of the Trinity, full personhood, not an it, but a he. And we'll talk more about the spirit next week. And he says, I'm sending you the Holy Spirit, and the spirit is coming. And it's interesting, this, the Holy Spirit comes to do what? To testify about Jesus. So Jesus, his presence is there, and he's saying, I'm here, I'm here to save this world, save everyone from sin and judgment. Now I'm leaving, but the Spirit's going to keep, the Spirit's going to come and take on this role of testifying about this good news that salvation is available by faith, by grace, through faith in Jesus. Why? To, to reach another person, to reach more. You think about that. The world hates, and Christ sends the Holy Spirit to reach the very people that hate him. It's incredible love. And then he goes on and he says this, and you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. So the primary vehicle of the Spirit's, uh, the tool the Spirit uses to testify is the church. Not the building, the people. The church isn't a building. The church is people. You, me. 
And, and while you can say, oh, that's just for those 11 guys, you must testify because you've been with me since the beginning. Well, Scott, the context here says it's just them. That doesn't apply to everybody else. But you can't say that. It's implied here, and then it's actually explicitly stated in other passages. Anyone who follows Christ must testify, must share, must tell others about Jesus. Testify feels like such an antiquated word. It's, you know, who says that word, right? But essentially, it's tell others about Jesus. You must testify. And he says this, and I've told you this so that you won't go astray. They will put you out of the synagogue. In fact, a time's coming when anyone who kills you will think he's offering a service to God. They'll do such things because they haven't known the Father or me. Again, going back to unbelief. And I've told you this so that when the time comes, you will remember that I warned you. I didn't tell you at first because I was with you. He gives the reason, explicit reason for this. It's a warning. If you follow Christ, you need to know persecution will come. He says, they'll kick you out of the synagogue. It's the house of worship. Like, so what's the house of worship in the U.S.? I don't know. Facebook? I mean, what's the house of worship? What is our culture worship? Where do they kick Christianity out? I mean, it's just, use your imagination. College, job market. Yeah, it's not like the world. Like the, the U.S., we have experienced a, a, a fair amount of protection, and yet that protection has been removed. And, and that's going, going quicker and quicker. I think we can all talk about the escalation of the anti-Christian sentiment. Not, not for the churches that are willing to completely throw the word of God out. Uh, they're fine. No, it's the ones who say Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. That, that's where really, that's the rub, right? And Jesus is saying, hey, look, the, the persecution is coming. I don't want you, I don't want you to bail when it comes. But the, the second piece of this thing that's implied in here is the only way a Christian starts to be persecuted is because they actually tell somebody. Right? I mean, you can keep your mouth shut. Uh, you could even do this at home online, and nobody would ever know you're a Christian. I mean, I've heard Christians say this over the years, and I get it. I get it. You've you got to let your actions, your actions speak, right? But I, to be honest, over the years, I've heard people say that. And um, a lot of the times I look at them, and it just feels like a cop-out. It just is. I mean, how many years do you need to let your actions speak before you actually say something? You don't need a year. You need five years. Right? So if you don't 
talk about Jesus, if you don't bring him up, you most likely won't be persecuted. You bring him up, you'll probably feel what I feel. Nervous, scared. You ever have those moments where you're like, uh, I don't know if I want to do this. Uh, I don't know what they're going to do. Are they going to reject me? Are they going to walk away? Are they going to A, B, C, D, right? And so we hide our faith. Why? Because while it's not the persecution we see over in Asia and the Middle East and North Africa, there is a level of persecution here where we lose things. And I just wonder, I wonder if we're more concerned about what we might lose than whether we should testify. I don't know if you ever heard of the magician Penn and Teller. Um, tall, tall dude, shorter, not less, not as tall dude. Uh, the shorter guy doesn't speak, right? That's their shtick. Like he never talks. And tall guy Penn talks. Well, after a magic show, a Christian came up to him and gave him a Bible. Because the Christian had the, he brought the Bible to the magic show one, but he knows Penn, and that Penn is a very strong atheist. And so after the show, he gave him this Bible, and this is what Penn said in response to this guy, this Christian coming to give him a Bible. He said this, he says, I have no respect for Christians who don't evangelize. Huh. He says it. I've always said I don't respect people who don't proselytize. I don't respect that at all. If you believe there's a heaven or hell, and hell rather, and people could be going to hell and not getting eternal life or whatever, and you think it's not really worth telling them because it would make it socially awkward, how much do you have to hate someone to not proselytize? How much do you have to hate someone to believe everlasting life is possible and not tell them? And this is an atheist following the logic. So it's kind of funny that this message is a warning about persecution will come, but the only way persecution comes, the only door that opens that up is when we are actually the ones testifying. So I got, I, I've got, you, you got two ways you can go. You can escape the persecution and just don't talk about Jesus, which is not the Christian life. Or go, I cannot, I must not, I will not ever stop talking about Jesus. And whatever comes, comes. Isn't that kind of funny how that works? We start following Jesus, and he still puts it out there. Will you willingly talk about me, knowing what it will bring? And this is why I love our church. 
And uh, I mean, this past week, uh, we're just talking as a staff or in the offices in the week before, the amount, the hunger for Christ that's at this church. Like, this church is on fire, guys. Like, if you want to see a church that's on fire, this church is on fire. And you're like, well, it's just us. I know. (laughs) We're not that shiny, are we? But God is. There is a passion in this church to tell people about Jesus. And if you're not, you're missing out. You're missing out. I'm like, what the heck? Jump in. I mean, we've got this trail life and gyms. We've got all kinds of parents and kids inviting their friends, like so many that don't know Christ. You should have seen the email we just got from somebody in our church who, is, who brought the, the, the gifts, right, the Christmas shoe boxes to uh, this event with their kids, and, it, and it, was, it was the Girl Scouts thing. And they had kids, and they were explaining, hey, this is what we do, and this is why we do, and then all of a sudden the kids are like, well, no lie, who's Jesus? This is like a 10 or 11-year-old going, I've never heard of Jesus. Who's Jesus? In Wadsworth, Ohio. This is our church. This is who we are. And now they're talking about Jesus, and now they're giving, (laughs) the the Girl Scouts is putting together a bunch of Christmas boxes. You have the youth event, the great turkey chase. All kinds of students will be here who don't know Christ. You have youth alpha, all these students. You have our adult alpha. We had the day away. What you don't know, we've been praying for this, right? We pray that, God, would you pull people into you and your relationship with you on Saturday? We had two people say, I need to start following Jesus. It's just yesterday. Yeah, in this room. I mean, it's, this church is doing it. Don't stop. Don't stop. But I, I want to use these last moments, uh, the band, you can come up, because I just, I sense that this moment is a renewing of the vow in that sense. All things being equal, Jesus is saying, if this world hates you, they hated me first. If you belong to this world, they would love you as, it, as their own. As it is, you don't belong to this world because I have chosen you out of this world. That's why the world hates you. And I am telling you this so you won't bail when it gets hard. So are you still in? Are you still in? Don't, don't say out loud. I want you to say to Christ, I'm in. I'm in. I'm not going to bail. And I I also just want to say, this is persecution, right? This isn't, this isn't, it doesn't have anything to do with how you view the vaccine or not. That's not persecution. It, It doesn't have anything to do with who you voted for. That's not persecution. That's people being passionate about politics. Come on, this is, this is, I shared about Jesus and I got rejected kind of persecution. That's what Jesus is talking about. So don't, let's not muddy the waters here. This isn't Christian nationalism. This is, I follow Jesus and this world hates me. And I'm still in.
are you still in? And Jesus is asking you right now, are you still in? And will you share the news, the great news about me with others? Let's pray. This is where you are. Online, I mean, you could be in your car. You could be on your couch in this room. And you just say, Jesus, amen. I'm fully warned again. It was the first time, but I'm in. I'm all in. And if the Spirit's saying, then tell others. Because maybe you're sitting there, you're like, I haven't been. And the Spirit's saying, you've got to tell others. If you're in, you have to tell others. Who's your three? We talk about the three, not, not I got to reach 80 people tomorrow. Who are three people the Spirit has been telling you, or even right now is telling you, Pray for these three people and pray for opportunities. In the name of Jesus, I just release in this moment a new uh, understanding. Jesus, the word you use is illumination. Our minds are lit up with you. Jesus, I pray that you would turn our eyes not from the darkness and the persecution and whatever might come our way. I pray your eyes would be focused on you right now for each person in this room. Everybody gets this. Everybody gets who you are in this moment and why in the world would we ever say we're in and would you just show yourself to be exalted the king of kings and the lord of lords the high commander the one who's in charge the one who's defeated death the one who's defeated sin the one who's defeated satan the one who has our eternity in hold would you fix our eyes on you the one who wrote our faith into existence And what would diminish, Lord, is what comes and what would be exalted is you. The name that is above every name. And what comes out of our hearts is, oh, oh yes. For my Redeemer, anything. For my Savior, I'm in. For the one who transformed my life, I'm in. I'll do it. I'll do it.